This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie. I'm here today with Rahul. Rahul, things could have been worse this weekend, my friend, but let's start with you. How was your weekend? My weekend was pretty good. It was um, good. <laughs> I think he's trying to find things of outside of Chelsea to update me, but you can tell we have a very strong connection over Chelsea-related things. But good weather there in the in the uh, New England? Not on Saturday, no, but Sunday there was good weather. But of course, Chelsea played Sunday, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, it was it was a good weekend. Sorry, I, I blanked out for a second because I was trying to think uh, what we did, and no, it was it was a good weekend, relaxing, and like you said, the weather is getting better, so. There is positives outside of the Chelsea life. Positives in our personal life, but not in our lives following Chelsea Football Club, obviously. But no, listen, sometimes you got to take the positives and enjoy what you can. And I got a chance to go down with the Houston supporters group and watch the game together with a bunch of different supporters, which have different perspectives and different ideas. And, you know, some of the, the leaders of the club go, you know, we're going to get together for the last few games. Are people going to attend? And I think... The overwhelming consensus is this is group therapy at this point as we come together <laughs> to vent and, and discuss things that are going on with Chelsea Football Club because it's hard to be a Chelsea fan these days, isolated at home watching the games. So good to have a supporters club. Shout out to the Houston Supporters Club. But if you are in the United States and looking for a supporters club, please look for one close to you and kind of join. I think it's a great way to get with like-minded and unlike-minded Chelsea fans alike to, to kind of communicate with. But Rahul, let's jump into the game we play Manchester City. I think you and I were pretty pessimistic, maybe is the right word. I think I predicted a 3-1 loss. You predicted a 3-0 loss. Overall, we lose 1-0, so we'll get into the details of the game. But could have been worse, my friend. Could have been worse. <laughs> you, you said we were pessimistic. We were just realistic. <laughs> <laughs> we probably uh, were. Yeah, look, at that, I mean, the point when we made the predictions, we expected this game to be where they would win it. Yep. Uh, and ultimately, that's not how it played out. They won it the day before. Thank you, Nottingham Forest. <laughs> uh, they maybe spared us uh, a thumping that we thought that was coming. And ultimately, you could see that that, was, that impacted heavily in the team that Pep Guardiola selected. Um, but regardless, it was, it was all, always going to be tough. And, and you look at it and you're like, hmm, second team, Man City, we should be, we should be doing better. And absolutely, we should be doing better. Yeah. But even in their second team, Jackie, they have more goals than we do in our, our first team. So Maybe not a stat you should be sharing anymore for us to listen to. But I think that's an absolute fact. They do have goals galore in that team. But what do you make of the Guard of Honor, Rahul? I was in the pub and a few new fans or fans that have not seen the Guard of Honor before asking and thinking it's a bit strange but i guess it's a cultural thing in in england i've seen it for the last 20 years that i've been watching english football yeah it absolutely is a what's well, a sign of respect right a sign of honoring yeah. the the champions and uh we've received it we've given it a few times so uh <laughs> in the past when when we were younger and coming up as you know watching chelsea and when we had to i think we had to give it to united uh, a couple of times and it would get my blood boiling. I'm like, just soak this in and we can't have this happen again. <laughs> um, and I mean, I still feel that way, but it's almost, and and, and that's a question I, I wanted to ask you was, um, it's almost like it's Man City, right? Like, okay, yeah, they, they won another title. Great, three Pete, seven titles in a yeah. row. They've overtaken Chelsea and they're in second, at least in Premier League mm -hmm. titles, not, not uh, total league titles, but um yeah the question that i had for you was it like you and i if this was united i think would be a little more like united won the league we can't we can't take it arsenal i mean they were they were close and we didn't want them to do it why is it that with city not just you and i but liverpool fans and and arsenal fans and in other cases not this season at least and, and even united fans in some cases are okay with them just winning these trophies? I don't know if it's a two-folded question, two-folded answer, but 
maybe part of it is secretly we know there's a lot of finances pumped into Manchester City. And listen, I'll be the first one to hold up my hand and say Chelsea had a lot of finances pumped into us. So I can't be pointing my fingers there, but maybe it's finances that are under a cloud right now. So a lot of us going, who knows, in two, three years, which is another, we can have a whole episode on why it's going to take two, three years for this to be closed, right? But maybe that's one of the reasons people go, yeah, finances, they have a huge amount of money. So almost you're expecting them to win the league. But the other thing is they're just so damn good. And I think that's where you have to give them some praise. It's like, it's not a competition anymore, right? You want to talk about Arsenal doing so well and bottling the league. But before we start recording, I made the joke that Ilkay Gundawan is linked with Arsenal. And so City are just giving them players at this point to make the league <laughs> fun and interesting. And of course, I'm kidding and making it, it, it you know, lighthearted. But you look at it and you go, they're just so good that it's easy to hate them, which is, it's not fair to say, but you look back to the days that Chelsea won their races, right? And we were competing with United, Arsenal, all the way to the finals. Even when we won our league with Conte, we were competing with Man City. But the last four or five years, bar Liverpool, I don't think anybody's really come close to knocking them off their perch. And so it's easy to hate someone that's been at the top for a long time. But listen, from everything I've seen this season, well-deserved. There's not so much I can hate after seeing that. You've you've answered that very politically, and and I commend you for that because I would <laughs> I, I have other things to say about it, uh, and it comes down to how many city fans do you know, Jackie? In real life, none. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like, yeah, okay, win it. We're not really going to hear about it from anybody <laughs> around us, or even even on our social media. And the fact that, I, and and I say social media because I have when I banter Arsenal on our Instagram. I have people that follow us that are Arsenal fans that send me messages and, and kind of like giving us, you know, the the treatment of, well, you guys are in 12th or whatever. And I'm like, what, why are you falling? You're welcome. Right. Great. Thank you. But um, I'm like, yeah, Man City, we could banter them all day long and there's no one really speaking up and, and I'm kidding, but I'm not really. And, and that's where it's like, uh, it's a new age of, you know, football in the sense that Man City are, are up and coming. They've been around for a long, long time. And I'm not saying they're, they don't have the history, but it's almost like, yeah, you know what? Let them win it. We're not going to have to re- really worry about their fans and, and feeling the pain. Uh, but I look at that chart, Jackie, I, I, when I asked you that question, they're now two Premier Leagues ahead of us. And sure, it's a, so it's all fun and games. And, and we can be like, yeah, let them win it over Arsenal. But it does concern me a little bit because 20 years ago, maybe not, maybe a little bit less, we were the powerhouse that were coming yeah. through and winning two titles in a row. And in that third season, everyone was like, if you remember, it was ABC, anyone but Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. And and no one's talking about ABM or ABMC <laughs> or anything like that, right? So um, that just tells you what Jose Mourinho, what Roman did back then is, is they kind of disturbed the 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 authorities or or the way that the tradition was Arsenal Man United, um, and I'd like us to get back there. I'd like us to be in a position where you know we people do hate Chelsea when they're doing well, and <laughs> and that, and I, I'm I'm open to that hate. I want it, uh, but all that to say, Man City have won it. They deserved it. I mean, ultimately they're going to end up end up winning this by like twelve or thirteen points, which is crazy because two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, we were talking about a title race. Um, so that's the standard, and that's something that not just us, but every other team in the league has to strive for. They really do, and it's a big congratulations to them. And I think I'm looking at the team, and I look at the team that's been constructed, and you know they're always thinking ahead and trying to get players that fit the mold. And if a player's not happy, you see them release Sterling to us and Zinchenko, and they release Jesus, and you go man, they're deconstructing the team, but they bring in quality players that come in and automatically just hit the ground running and do what they need to do. So a sign of just having a stable recruiting department, which I see Chelsea are trying to do. Ultimately, I'm going to tie this back to Chelsea. A sign of having a manager that's been there for a long time and knows what he wants, which again, we're looking to do that as well. A sign of just having this multi-club model where they can kind of do things that they need to. Chelsea going down that path. So everything that looks like it's going to be successful for Manchester City for the near-term future and the long-term future, it's a model that Chelsea are trying to go. It's a model Liverpool have followed. It's a model that Arsenal are going after. So it means if it it breeds success, then I'm all for it. And hopefully we can kind of get back to that path you were saying where ABC, anybody but Chelsea. But Mm -hmm. for us Chelsea fans, all day Chelsea. 
all day, every day, but not this season. <laughs> not this season, no. Um, but you, you mentioned selling Raheem Sterling for us, so let's run through the starting 11. I'll run through it. Kepa back in goal, uh, which I think we expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fofana, Thiago Silva, Chaloba as a back three, I believe. Uh, and, and I'll ask you, uh, once I've read, read through this, your thoughts on switching back. Uh, Aspie, Enzo, Loftus-Cheek, and Lewis Hall continues mm-hmm. Uh, as a in this case as a wing back left wing back and up front we had Connor Gallagher Kai Havertz and the man that you mentioned that was sold to us from Man City coming back home in a sense Raheem Sterling yep. uh, but I think he forgot that he was wearing Chelsea blue and not Man City blue with the number of chances that came to him and, and he didn't yeah. end up scoring uh, but your thoughts on Tinkerman Frank Lampard kind of channeling his inner Renieri and going back to a back three in this case? You know, I'm not upset about it. I'll tell you why. Because Chelsea fans have become so spoiled. When Thomas Tuchel came in and changed us to a back three and he stuck to a back three no matter what, rain or shine, and we struggled at some part of the season. I think early in the season, Pulisic was playing left back and Raheem was playing right back, or I mean right wing back. Chelsea fans scream and go, this man doesn't change. He doesn't change his tactics no matter what. And then, of course, we come to Lamps, and now he's changing the tactics. This man changes his tactics too much, I think. Chelsea fans are just tough to please, and I think I like to see the change because we were stuck with some stagnant ways under Graham Potter and under Thomas Tuchel. And I look back even further. You look even to Mauricio Sarri. I think he was one that we could predict the starting 11 and predict the substitutions at 60 minutes. So, okay with the changes, as long as there's some tactical thinking behind it. I think there was. I can't really confirm because... All season long, no matter what we've done, we've been atrocious. So maybe he's trying to figure out something out and maybe damage limitation to some point by putting an extra center back in there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I think Batishile is now out for a while. It sounds like four months. So that's an, a center back missing. Yeah. Kulabali's coming back. So it almost seems like we're short on center backs, but here we are finding a way to play three of them. I know Fofana yeah. has just come back. Uh, playing Espelicueta again, I want to talk about him in that first half, or at least that first 30, 35 minutes where it was a, a tough game for him to come into. And of I course. think you could see that, not being disrespectful, but you could see that he is on the other side of, of, of his Chelsea career, at least. I'm sure he could uh, go to other leagues and, and be uh, you know one of the top performing players. But when you're getting run by by Cole Palmer, I believe was the mm-hmm. young kid's name. And and you have to take that with a pinch of salt, right? Because Cole Palmer is coming in one of his rare first starts in, in the league. Uh, he's coming in and he obviously wants to make an impression. It's, he's coming into a championship winning side. Um, so he's going to be doing more. But it just felt like Aspilicueta was just... It was very easy for Cole Palmer to, to continuously just get in behind uh, Aspie and, and get into our box. Yeah, you know, uh, to talk about Aspie Lequeta as a right back or a right wing back these days is not really fair to him, I think. You look at the previous seasons with Chukul and even under Conte Rahul for most of the part, he's mainly been used as a right-sided center back. And so us expecting him to have the pace or maybe the turn of pace to catch up with some of these younger, light, pacey wingers, I don't think it's fair. I think we're trying to squeeze him into a right wing back role, which Espliqueto is never that. He was always a strong, sturdy right back for us. And as age caught up with him, we've transitioned him to a right center back. So am I expecting anything different from Espliqueto? No, I think he's just filling the role because of the Reese injury. And then we have midfield injuries. So Ruben goes in there. So I, for one, am excited to have Malagusto come in and hopefully he can stay fit. So we have a Malagusto and, you know, Reese James right back. And if Aspi stays, he, he should be squeezing into that right center back spot when and if needed. I, I agree with you. And it all, again comes back to the question is maybe Chaloba was better suited for that yeah. right back position since he has been performing. And, and I think we said in the Nottingham Forest, he had one of his better games. So um, we'll never know with, with some of the changes. Uh, but coming to midfield, Jackie, Kovacic, I believe, is out. Conte is out again. Uh, I do want to talk about him. Uh, Mason Mount is obviously not ready yet. So Loftus-Cheek was the natural kind of partner for mm-hmm. Enzo. You know what? Ruben Loftus-Cheek is a player that takes a little bit of hate, maybe more than a little bit of hate all the way through. But Rahul, you said this early on in the season was he is a utility man. He's played in so many different positions for us. And while he's not going to give you 
100% at right wing back or 100% at center back or 100% at midfield. I do think he gives 80%. And by that, I don't mean 80% of his heart. I mean the quality that we come to expect from him is he's never going to reach the peak of what we want from Ruben Loftus-Cheek. But I saw glimpses there. He was driving from midfield. He was finding passes. He was slotting into a position where we needed him, and he did the job that we needed him to do. And Enzo, I think there's more to come from. I've kind of seen him dip in form lately, and I think we have to be honest about that. He was on a high at the beginning of January, winning the World Cup. Multi-million dollar move to Chelsea, one of the largest transfers in, in history, for a midfielder at least. Started well, got a couple of assists, but really, it's not looked good. And I don't mean that that he's become a bad player. I think the team overall is not helping him continue to grow. So excited for the last couple of games here, my friend, because I think he needs a break mentally more than anything, and he can come back refreshed next season. Yeah, we everyone needs to come back refreshed yeah. next season. But one player that most likely won't be there, Jackie, is, is the one we were just talking about in Loftus-Cheek. Mm-hmm. Uh, rumors and pretty, I think, pretty strong rumors are that he is in talks with AC Milan looking to head to Italy and join Tamori and Giroud uh, out there. Uh, is this the right move for him? For me, it's a great move for him. I think Italy plays at a little bit of a slower pace, more tactical. And I think after that injury that Ruben had, it's difficult for him to maybe trust his body to play at that pace or maybe trust his body to keep up that fitness for the Premier League. So maybe a slower league, maybe something a little more tactical. I think it's a good move for him. And I think we've seen in recent times that Chelsea boys have gone there. You, you talk about you know Giroud and Tamori, but even Tammy Abram has gone to Italy and he's done okay for himself. It's not like it's been a horrible time for him there. So I think at the age of 26, 27, maybe 28 at this point, he's not reached the potential with us that we knew he could under the Maurizio Sarri days. So he needs a change, a refresh, and if Milan's the way to do it and they need a rebuild and a refresh of their midfield, I think it's a match made in heaven for the price. So, Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think if we knew players are going to be moving on and, and Loftus-Cheek obviously is one of them, um, that injury that we witnessed in, in Boston really kind of derailed his yeah. progress uh, that season that he was having. So, um, again, I don't think he was bad in this game. It's just when you come up against Man City and, and the way they play, our midfield did look a little short. Not that that's anything on them. I just think they continuously kept getting bypassed. And, and coming to Enzo, I don't really – next season we need to give him a partner – yeah. that complements him in the sense that you can see what Enzo can do going forward. I mean, those those chip passes, he found Raheem Sterling with one of those, unfortunately didn't come off. Uh, but he's done that continuously, and he has the vision to to pull off these passes. So if we can get a, a DM or someone that can sit and do the dirty work for him, uh, I think he'll have a great, great career for us. But in the absence of that, like you said, it has been a little up and down so far. Yeah, but, um, but that's that's just a team in general. Uh, Connor Gallagher, Jackie, continues continues to find himself in this eleven. It's yeah. whether it's midfield, whether it's attack. I'm surprised he hasn't ended up playing in defense and and as a wing back too. But um, is this a disservice from Lampard to the wingers, spe- specifically Mudrik, uh, in this case? Because, yes, we know what Gallagher brings. He brings the energy, he brings aggression, he brings passion. But in this game where both teams really didn't have anything to play for in the sense that Man City won it, we are going to stay where we are. Why not give Mudrik the opportunity to get in and find some of the spaces that you do get when Man City's center backs or full backs tuck in? It's a great talking point among Chelsea fans these days, right? Mudrik is the future. Mudrik is the next big thing for us. Why not give him more playing time? And it's tough for me to answer because from my perspective, as I watch game in, game, week in, week out games, right? Conor Gallagher gives 120%. There's no doubt about that. You've made the joke of either he's going to score a goal, he's going to get a red card. There's no other way. But (laughs) that's the passion that he has and he bleeds blue. And I think that it's important to start with that, that, I think he has a future at Chelsea Football Club. There was, a, there was a bit in there where we said, sell him, get him out of here. He's not the right player. But I think watching him, if he's able to kind of progress his play and maybe refine his play, there's absolutely a play in here that can be evolved and, and relied upon for long seasons where we have 60, 65 games. I think he can really chip into it. Coming to Mudrik, Rahul, a lot of people say 
he doesn't get a chance. He doesn't get to play enough. He doesn't get to do this. I pulled up his stats. He's featured in almost every game this season. Featured is is unfair to him because he's it's 10 minutes here, 20 minutes here. Some games he started where he's played 80 minutes. He's hauled off 70 minutes. But he's had a chance to make a feature in several games this season. And honestly, other than his debut against Liverpool, I don't remember Mudrik doing much that's been of excitement, that's been of quality. You know, he got that one assist where Kovacic scores a lovely goal. But even then, I don't even know if it was an assist because it was an overhead cross and he kind of puts it back into play. I follow him on social media. He posts a lot of stuff about the war in Ukraine. And he speaks very openly about what's going on there and how it's affecting his people. And I put two and two together. And and I'm not Mudrik, and I I don't want to speak for him. I can only speak from what I see. With his performances, with what's going on in his homeland, with a new country, everything's going on. He's not ready. It's the simple fact of it. And I think easing him into the season where he gets to play a bit of every game, and yes, it sucks because five minutes here, ten minutes here is not enough for him to do what he thinks he can do. But I think they're handling him correctly, and I think the 80 million is probably weighing on him as well, as much as you don't want to say that. He's not an 80 million pound player today. He's not the finished product. It doesn't mean that in two or three seasons we'll say, 80 million was a steal. He's a 120 million player today. Hopefully I'm not eating my humble pie in a few years, but I think they're handling it well to the point where, yes, it's difficult for Chelsea fans because he's exciting, he's pacey, but give him time to settle in. And next season when there are not four managers changing hands and there's not a lot of change in the backroom staff and he's settled in and we've thinned out the 30-odd players we've had where he can get more game time, I think it'll be okay. Let, let's certainly hope so. I mean, I, I'd like to see him get a few more games, like I've been saying, at least for the last month. Uh, but ultimately, Lampard makes the decisions, and um, maybe someone behind him is also making some decisions. Yeah. But uh, coming into that first half, Jackie, I mean, expected what we saw from City and, and Chelsea? I would say so. I don't think I expected too much from us, and I think... We keep saying it could have been worse. It really could have been worse for most of that first half. But no, pretty much expected. I don't think anything was out of the ordinary. Yeah, I mean, the goal comes from our mistake where Fofana, trying to play out out from the back, looks at uh, Loftus-Cheek, I beg your pardon, tries to play a pass into him, really doesn't get it to him. And even with three center backs there... um, Julian Alvarez finds a little pocket of space and and does a very good job to finish it. Um, and at that point, I'm I'm worrying for us because I'm like this <laughs> this is kind of where it starts. Um, but I think we grew into that game a little bit mm-hmm. after that goal. And I think switching because Raheem Sterling started on the right, Connor mm-hmm. started on the left, and somewhere some point through that first half, there was that switch where Raheem comes to his preferred left side. And I think that helped us. Of course, we don't score. But I think we could just see that as we made that change and we got a little bit more control of that game, uh, we had our own chances to score. And I've said this a million times this season. On a different day, we would have (laughs) scored. uh, But it just wasn't to be. Was it Raheem who hit the post in the first half? I can't remember who had hit the post in the first half. Or I, Connor Gallagher, maybe. I think it was Connor who hit the post, but Raheem certainly had many chances. Many, many chances, many chances. Yeah. No, listen, I, I look at that first half and I thoroughly enjoyed the game of football because, like you said, a different day, different time, Manchester City could come in 12 minutes in first goal. How long before the second and the third and the fourth and it gets in there? But no, we grew in and maybe that's a case of we've scored quite a few goals in the last few games. I think five or six in the last few games, which I know you're chuckling, but that's a huge amount of goals for me. Given oh, the no, no. I mean, compared <laughs> to the last few months, that's like We, we had that little, little bit of, you know, arrogance of maybe we can get a goal here. And maybe the other side of it is City said, we've won the league. We've got one goal. Who cares if they score one and we go for a draw and we can always go to another gear. Whatever the situation may be, I was settling into the game because it was more exciting for me to watch us play back and forth and seeing an opportunity for something to happen. But coming into Raheem Sterling, Rahul, I think he's probably the most frustrating player that we have at Chelsea Football Club today because when you see him run and you see him play and you see him dribble, you know that there is a quality player somewhere in there. But the amount of chances that he finishes versus the amount of chances that he misses 
it's just not on par for what we expect for the player that we purchase. And I think early on in the season when we came in, you were very skeptical. I was very skeptical. Your skepticism turned to maybe a little more negativity. I'll say that much. But wow. a lot of fan, <laughs> a lot of fans instantly said he would be the best winger that we had at the team by a mile. Unfortunately, I don't think that's been the case. He's been on par with the others. And I think that's down to the team as a whole, obviously. But I expect from him for 45 million, a player who's been there, done that, helped raise this team. And it, it really hasn't happened this season. And this, and this game was a perfect example of maybe that extra step or that extra thought of I can pass or cut back and then take a shot. But it wasn't to be. just wasn't to be. Last week, you asked me about humble pie. This is exactly why I'm off of desserts. <laughs> he proves to you why you have some negativity towards Raheem. I mean, it's not negativity. It's 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 the expectation, right? You come in as the senior player. You're no longer that young kid that we used to watch in a Liverpool shirt. You've gone from being at Liverpool to being at City, kind of playing under Pep Guardiola. And I'm not saying all of our issues this season are down to Raheem Sterling. Absolutely not, because that would be crazy for me to say that. Uh, but in these moments when you want to count on a player to put the ball away and and in the game, honestly, for the first half hour or 35 minutes, we sh really shouldn't have been in it. Uh, where we're still in it at one goal and you get a couple of opportunities, you've got to put them away. That's that's the difference between being a t player that can be counted upon by, you know, by the fans, by the team, or someone that we're like, oh, well, you know what, it's it's Raheem. Like, it's that's what you get. And he did it last week. I mean, you go from yeah. scoring twice against Nottingham Forest to coming here and and I'm saying he could have had a hat trick on a different day. Uh, now I'm not expecting him to get all three in in the back of the net, but one. That's yeah. I mean, 33 out of the you know out of the three chances. So that's where my frustration is with him. But that's it's just been that kind of season. It really has, and I think that's what's hard to single him out for. And I do agree with you as a veteran, experienced player of the Premier League. We look to him for a bit more, but ideally, no one has been good this season. Right. So. I can't hold him to the fire too much, and I think we just need the season to end at this point. We do, and and while I was watching this on Fubo TV, which we'll take a message from them here in a second, um, almost like, when can I see us win a game on Fubo TV? Because it's been <laughs> so long. Uh, but let's take a message, and we'll come right back. The Premier Chelsea has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Networks broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. Back for the second half. And I don't mean, and no pun intended, but I mean the second half of the game, not the <laughs> second half of the podcast. Uh, Jackie, let's start with the, the second half. It was kind of what you expected. I think we were a little bit better. I kind of picked up where we left off in the first half towards the end of it. Um, did you expect any changes at halftime? Did you expect Lampard to maybe put someone else on? I think you know that the season's over at this point, right? And we're losing one nail. So in my head, there's nothing to lose. So to answer the whole Mudrik question at the beginning of this segment, <laughs> right, is maybe this is the time for him to come on and get 45 minutes. And how good has Maliweke looked this season? Maybe he can come on and get 45 minutes. And Kani Chukomeka, a lot of people think he has a big part to play next season under Pochettino. He's strong. He's fast. He's able to find in a direct pass and maybe get a goal. So... Some of these names would have been good to see early on, but it surprised me, yeah, because I took a little bathroom break at halftime, and right as I'm coming back, the game kicks off, and I'm asking people at the at the pub, any subs, any subs, and he goes, no, no changes at all. So a little bit surprised that we have nothing to lose. We should have made some changes, but like I said, it's this part of the season where it doesn't really matter, but that's the only thing that I could observe. Yeah, I mean, in terms of play, I think it was kind of what you expected, just back and forth at certain points, it felt like both teams just wanted the game to end uh, because Man City wanted to move on to to the trophy lift and Chelsea just wanted to get out of there. But uh, you mentioned Carney Chukameka, and, and uh, that's a name that we haven't spoken about for a few weeks. I think he's 
missed out on the bench. He's finally here on the bench, a player that came in from Aston Villa, mm. 15, 18 million pounds. Uh, very bright future. I think that's yeah. something that the, the club identified. And we've seen in certain spells or, or games that he has come in and, and showed us what he can do. But nowhere near what you know what we thought we'd be seeing, uh, especially with the money that we paid. Do you think he should have come in or started this game in the sense that he doesn't go to the under-20 World Cup, which is uh, where most of the, the young players are right now. Chelsea have held him back, obviously, because we need some cover in midfield. Uh, but could he have started? First of all, cover in midfield, holding Carney back seems kind of strange. I don't see him playing enough football for us in the last two, three months that maybe the under-20 cup would have been good, Rahul, for him to kind of get exposure in game game time. As far as starting the game, that's maybe the whole discussion coming back to full full turn, right? Maybe you don't have Conor Gallagher in this position and you have Carney Chukwameka, who is maybe more suited to playing up high than a Conor Gallagher or more natural to that position than a Conor Gallagher. Or in the middle of the park, okay, you lose a little bit of defensive steel if Ruben's not there. But again, what did you have to lose? Give him the first 45 minutes and see what he can do or bring him on earlier, like I said, and see what he has to do. But not surprised overall, but I do think we're missing the mark. And I think it's not just down to Lampard. I think this season has been so topsy-turvy. And Connie Chukumeka, if I remember correctly, Thomas Chukul spoke very highly of him and said he's one that he would be featuring a lot more in the midfield and he had a plan for him. But he gets lost in the mix with Graham Potter and then, of course, with Frank Lampard. So tough for the young man. I think maybe he can do with a loan next season if Pochettino doesn't see him as enough game time there. He needs to really go develop and get better. And I'm sure the other Premier League clubs that would take a look at him and give him a chance to play more regularly. Uh, absolutely. And maybe Villa probably will, especially yeah. since they're, they're going into Europe or, or pretty close to it. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I think um, he's been hard done by. He's performed. I think back to the Man City game at home at the beginning of the year. And he almost could have scored and, and brought us level. So um it's it's tough. I think it's been tough for everyone. Lewis Hall is another one that was held back from going uh, to the under-20, but he started those two games right after, so it makes sense. Um, some of the other subs, Jackie, we had Mudrik in the 70th minute, who came yep. on for Raheem Sterling, uh, maybe a little bit later. Nani Madueke comes on again uh, in the 70th minute for Connor Gallagher, so you could see Lampard at that point said, let me, let me go for it. What, what yep. have I got to lose? little bit too late in my opinion i think you give them just 20 minutes and i sound like i'm contradicting myself because i said earlier mudrik gets 20 minutes to do what he needs to do but slightly different points in the fact of maybe if you want to get a draw here or a goal there but you can see rahul that the motivation in the team is so limited that they don't really care if they lose this game it's sad to say that the levels have fallen this much but it's kind of the reality of what this season is it absolutely is. Uh, some of the other subs, Kai Havertz goes off for Christian Pulisic. So maybe Lampard was listening last time when I was asking <laughs> for Pulisic. But it was in the 85th minute, Jackie. At that point, and I seem like I'm contradicting myself, but I'm almost like, why not put a natural Fofana on who was on the bench is a natural fit for that position. Uh, it's a, going to a false nine. Yep, fair argument. And I think Christian Pulisic is one that's been hard done since Frank Lampard's come in. I've not seen him get too much game time i know he's had his injury problems but it's just been a a season of too many players bro i, I really want to talk about the manchester city stuff because as a chelsea fan <laughs> when you see a struggling and the board comes up for kevin de Bruyne and then rodri and then john stones and then holland you go are they planning some sort of ramp over here where they kind of beat us four five six because you could see holland was extremely hungry and it's so impressive to see him as a unit because they've won the league, they're 1-0 up, and he's there bullying our Chelsea players. You could see him kind of running off Aspilicueta <laughs> and shoving Thiago Silva around. He's absolutely massive, but I think ultimately Pep brings them on because he wants them to celebrate the win and enjoy the win, which I think they did. But for a quick moment there, I was a little bit worried when he was bringing on these players. I like Maybe Pep's not happy with the 1-0 and wants to put this word to us, and it could have got a lot more worse. Uh, and honestly, I don't think he was happy. I mean, you, you see him on the sideline, right? You just won the league. Uh, you're playing your second team. But he was he was on them. He was trying to get yeah. them to do certain things. And uh, 
I, I don't know if the subs were made because he was really unhappy, but again, it's a message to to the squad that I'm the man. I'll make the changes. I'll decide who plays, and and you know I'll give minutes to the ones that I want to give minutes to. So he's he's the top guy at this point in the world, not just at Man City. And I don't think there's that many that will they'll question him. Uh, Kulubali Jackie's back comes on in the 81st minute. Was that needed at this point? I guess Lampard's trying to give him a few minutes to get him fit, but Lewis Hall was having a decent game. I know maybe that was more of a switch to a back four, but again, I I, I don't know. I don't think that was a, a right sub. You asked the segment, or you started the segment with, is it a Tinkerman Lampard? Maybe this is the part where you can confirm that is a Tinkerman Lampard. <laughs> I think for me, Lewis Hall was playing okay. I know he had a couple of challenges, especially when Mares gets that handball and they score, but it's ruled offside, luckily. But you could see he puts a poor tackle in. But I think those are the learning moments for Lewis Hall. And I think if Chelsea Football Club... Lewis Hall's been picked by Thomas Tuchel. He's been picked by Graham Potter. And now he's been picked by Frank Lampard. So clearly, these three managers see that there's a player there, whether that means his long-term future is left back or it's going to be in midfield, which he has played as well. These are the games where he has to get those learning moments. We've already said it doesn't matter. You're losing 1-0. Why not let the young man finish? Or if you're going to a back four and you have too many center backs in, maybe Aspilicueta goes to to left back and Lewis Hall tucks into midfield and you kind of readjust and give the young man an opportunity to show what he can do and learn from his mistakes and kind of get the atmosphere and understand how to adjust. But I don't really see the point of bringing... Kulabali on, I think it's just Lampard trying to rotate players till the end of the season and keep most folks happy and fit. I mean, I I, I get that, right? But it's almost like a Dutra Fofana is there. Yeah. You know, right? There's other players that maybe could have come on or, or should have been given an opportunity or come on earlier anyway. Um, Thiago Silva, you mentioned him. He's come back from injury. Maybe we rushed him back a little bit, but he's obviously fit and he's playing. Uh, he had his banner revealed in the last game at against Nottingham Forest. Yeah, uh, his wife then confirmed. You know, she obviously thanked the fans and then confirmed mm-hmm. that they weren't going anywhere; they were staying, which is great. But struggled a little bit against Bournemouth. Maybe part of the reason we conceded. Struggled against Nottingham Forest and Awu Nigi. I did make sure to learn his name. There you go. Um, and then in this game. I'm not saying he struggled, but maybe at fault for the goal a little bit with the way he drifted away from from the center of the defense. Uh, I'm in no way saying or questioning him, but are we seeing the age or just is it the the bad form and, and the Chelsea of this season is rubbing off on him a little bit? I wouldn't say Chelsea's rubbing off on him because if you tell me to pick my standout play of the season, the season, it might be maybe Ben Chilwell or it might be Thiago Silva. I think those two have really put in shifts every single time they've come onto the pitch. And so I can't point too many fingers at them. So I'm going to chalk it down to we rushed him back from the injury and Thiago Silva being Thiago Silva wants to put in 110%. Maybe his body's not ready to put in that 110%. So I'm not going to point fingers at him and say he had a poor game or it's we're seeing his body slow down. And even if there's a slight chance of us seeing his body slow down, I would still love to have him here for another season. I think we have a relatively young squad as far as center backs go. You look at Fofana, you look at Badia Shile, who's also jumped out with an injury. You look at the likes of potentially Levi Colwell coming back. And those three are looking fantastic. Chaloba is finding a way to turn his career around under Frank Lampard. So you have four solid center backs. Does that mean they're all going to be here next season? No. But the ones that are going to be here, how great is it to continue learning from Thiago Silva? And secretly, if he is going to be on the bench next season, I want to see how he handles that from a captain's perspective or from a veteran's perspective. Is he going to take it peacefully and say, let me help usher these young men? Or is he going to kind of cause some turmoil and say, I'm the right guy on the pitch and we'll see how this plays out because either way, I think it's just going to light a fire in everybody's belly because he's going to want to come back and play as best as he can, or he's going to spur the young guys to say, let me play better to keep the old man on the bench. Look, <laughs> it's it's a good problem to have. So I'm not going to point fingers at Thiago Silva for the last few games. And and that's a, a fair, fair comment. And I'm not trying to be picky or, or call him out either. 
just an observation and, and wanted to bring it up. Uh, last comment before we move it on and talk about some of the other results. Uh, Jao Felix was supposed to be on the bench. He did pick up a minor knock, which allowed a young 18-year-old Ethan, or 21-year-old, I beg your pardon, Ethan Wadi, uh, a goalkeeper, to be on the bench. And what an experience for him with everything that's gone down this season for someone to come in and, and just be on the bench and take it all in. And unexpected, I think uh, Jao Felix was going to be on the bench right up until kickoff. Um he didn't play, obviously he doesn't doesn't get that experience, but just being part of playing Man City away, what what a great time for him. For anyone to just come out there and see the quality that Manchester City propose. And not only that, to travel with Chelsea, the senior squad, see what that's all about, I think that's good. Very honestly, I've not heard too much about the young man, so I'm not sure if he's going to be part of the goalkeeping team next season or if he even stays with Chelsea very long, but... As a professional footballer, great experience to just notch under the belt. Absolutely, and you never know. This might this might lead to other things in the future, but good for him and good for Lampard, like you said, for, for making him travel and mm-hmm. most likely you know, putting him on the bench. He could have just said, you know what, we'll leave that spot open, yeah. but he, he gives it to the kid, and, and he'll remember that for now. So uh, we lose Jackie 1-0. Right as the game's ending, I'm wondering, are they going to storm the pitch? Because we've seen this the last few years. And I'm like, all right, well, this is their third one. Maybe they've matured. Maybe they've kind of finally turned into a big club that says, you know what? We're used to this. <laughs> Lo and behold, the, the the full-time whistle goes and the stewards are running on. The fans are running on. And I'm like, oh, my God, here we go. Um, small club mentality? No, I'm not going to bully Manchester City fans for, for coming onto the pitch. Listen... If I'm in London, you're in London, and Chelsea finally lift a Premier League after so many years of not seeing it, if we get the opportunity to go grab a photo on the pitch and there are no repercussions, I think I would do it. But honestly, it's not nice to see because I think it delays proceedings. And more importantly, I think in your excitement, you could potentially run over someone or hurt a player or something. And I don't think that's anybody's intention, which is why I said I'm not going to call them small club mentality and you're trying to get a dig in here but no I, I think it's it's just celebrations and like you said they don't have a lot of fans so the ones that are there need to celebrate to the fullest of their potential again that's a good political way to put it <laughs> <laughs> um but so what are they gonna the storm the pitch in istanbul if they win win the champions league it just it i get it it's a form of celebration yeah. it's a form of you know expressing yourself but I don't know. It just did we do it when we won it in two thousand five or two thousand four? I can't even remember. No, I don't believe Chelsea fans did that. So. Yeah, like that was our first one in fifty years, and and we didn't <laughs> do anything, right? I mean, we celebrate, of course, but um, I don't know. That's I guess that's the difference between us and them. But uh, let's move on to some of the other results. It was a, a big weekend for top four for relegation. So, what can you tell us? Yeah, so looking at top four, you obviously know Manchester City have won the the league. And I think we need to just say one more big congratulations to them because what they've done to come back from behind and maybe some negative words towards Arsenal who end up finishing second because they really did have a string of poor results for a couple of months that allowed Manchester City to come back and ultimately just seal the deal here. So Arsenal finish in second, obviously. Uh, Newcastle formally qualifying for the Champions League, which is absolutely huge for them so Newcastle supporters what a way to get the club managed what a way to build onto that right signings right manager everything's going your way then third with 70 points Man United in fourth with 69 points and Liverpool I don't know if it's possible it depends on how a couple of results go for Manchester United but if they win theirs and United lose they're, a couple they're, they're playing Chelsea they're gonna make it <laughs> so let's call it as United in fourth Liverpool in fifth and of course Hats off to Brighton, Rahul in sixth with 61 points. It's it's probably what we were looking to get out of Brighton when we took Graham Potter, but that's not the case. Going to the other end of the table, Southampton officially relegated with 24 points sitting in 20th. Uh, 19th position leads with 31 points. 18th position, Leicester City with 31 points. 17th position, Everton with 33 points. All with a game left to play. This could get very, very interesting. So... We can dive into some of the results here in just a minute and kind of dissect some of the other fixtures we already kind of highlighted. 
But before we move into that, who's going down, my friend? Oh, man. Um, Southampton obviously are gone. Yep. I think Leeds are going to go as well, even though they play Tottenham the last game of this season. <laughs> uh, I think Leicester, which is crazy to say, because yeah. a few seasons ago, Leicester on the final day were aiming for top four. And here they are in, in the bottom three. Uh, but I think Leeds and Leicester go because Everton have their destiny in their own own hands, Correct, as they yeah. say. Uh, and so if they win, which you know they 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 should at home, that really doesn't matter what the other two do. They they resign to relegation, and that's all Everton can do. And I think that Sean Dyche has done a good job to kind of squeeze them out of that. And hopefully Everton, you know, we talk about Leicester; it's shocking, but Everton is another huge club that need to stop playing this game of flirting with relegation and kind of go from there. But you want to talk about some other games? We obviously covered Manchester City and Chelsea, but let's talk about Liverpool-Villa 1-1 and Firmino scores in the end of the game and might be his last game at at, at Anfield. And it's actually confirmed he's leaving the club at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, and and you mentioned, you know, I think you mentioned the top six, but Villa, Jackie. Yeah, fantastic sitting in a conference league position when the Unai Emery came in, I think they were closer to the relegation spot and he's had some turnaround with effectively the same players that Gerard yeah. have. So uh, he's done a great job and, and getting them into Europe is just going to be a great, great achievement for him and the club. Um, but Liverpool, I think this was their opportunity. If they'd won it, they would have continued to put the pressure on Manchester United and, and Newcastle. Uh, as it stands, I think they've left it a little too late with the run that they've put together. So they'll be going to Europa and that'll be good because that's a Thursday weekend kind of schedule and, and Chelsea don't have any of those distractions. <laughs> Let's not start with that because we have to see how next season goes. But coming back to Unai Emery for just a hot second, it tells you what a good manager can do to a squad of players. And so expecting Chelsea, hopefully under Mauricio Pochettino to have a better season than they have this season. Uh, Man United, Burnmouth. Man United get the goal. Rahul, 1-0. Casemiro chipping in, not only defensively, but attacking as well. O- overhead kick, too. I was like, what, what's <laughs> going on? Uh, no, look, they again, they've done the business they needed to do, and they can seal it off with the win against Chelsea, which, great. Um, and... I look at them as someone or as a team that were in a similar position, of course, not as as low down on the table as Chelsea, but in a similar similar position where managerial changes and, and kind of, you know, uncertain about the future. And they brought in their man. They gave him the, the responsibility to turn it around. And, and it didn't start off well. I think three defeats no, it yeah. was. Uh, but he's got them playing and, and working together. And that gives me hope that we'll see that for Chelsea next season. That's really all we can hope for. Newcastle and Leicester drew, but I want to actually talk about West Ham and Leeds. West Ham 3, Leeds 1. West Ham were in trouble closer to a few months ago, closer to the relegation spot. Found a way out of it, and they're going to Europa League final as well. Uh, Conference League, yep, yep. yep. Um, West Ham, man. They could be the only London team that wins something <laughs> this season. <laughs> no, massive congratulations to them. I think David Moyes was under pressure. It shows you what can happen when you stick with your manager he has gotten them in the europa league and the conference league in the final now and you never know they they could go all the way and win it and get back into the europa league it would be interesting to see and let's see where declan rice goes from here because he's linked with a lot of clubs as well let's close it out with the name you were able to pronounce correctly and that's awoniyi one nail to nottingham and rahul that's the best way to end the results because they put the sword to arsenal and finish it off and like you said City come to us and they don't turn on 10th gear. They let us kind of skate by with one nail. But what does it say about Arsenal? Where do they go from here next season? I mean, I've said it all season long that they've overachieved. And that wasn't being disrespectful. That was just an observation. Because you look at the way certain games went. The luck went their way. The goals went their way. uh, At least for the first half or three-fourths of the season, everything just kind of worked out for them. Uh, and then when they started picking up a few injuries and the pressure turned on, they fell apart. So it, it's really, you can't go from being fifth, which is what they were. Of course, they added Jesus and Zinchenko, who are good players. But that wasn't going to take a team in fifth to winning the title. And I think that's where uh, everyone kind of got lost. 
but it's a great achievement. You get top four, something that you set out for. And now what they do in the summer is important because they're going to have the distraction of the Champions League. They're going to have the distraction of of trying to do it again, again in the league. Um, so it's going to be interesting, but they've done well this season, this, this season, which hurts me to say, but I also think they overachieved. It's the, it's their best season in many years as far as, I think they spend 95% of the season in top spot. So one of their best seasons in, in a long time is equal to one of Chelsea's worst seasons in a long time where we both finish with no trophies. Listen, I need to stop with the banter because they're going to Europe <laughs> and we're not. So that's a good way to talk about the results in and around the Premier League. They'll go out to Bayern anyway, so don't don't worry <laughs> about it. Uh, but yeah, let's move on to Manchester United. We did tease it a little bit. Manchester United away on Thursday night. Uh, nothing for Chelsea to play for, but for United, they need at least one point to solidify top four. Uh, it's a night game. It's a game that's been drawn... I can't even remember the last time a team won between these two. They just keep finding 1-1, 1-1, which is fine. I'll take that in this case, but I'm just <laughs> afraid that that won't be the case. But what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm not sure what to expect. I think Man United fully motivated to get that final spot in the Champions League and Chelsea fully unmotivated to not do anything this season. So all signs point to a Man United win, but... You you just never know with Chelsea. They're sleeping giant, which they've been probably knocked out this entire season. I'm not expecting too much from them. But yeah, it's going to be a, a good game for Manchester United at the very least. Let me read you a stat here. <laughs> Manchester United are unbeaten in their last 10 Premier League games against Chelsea, winning three and drawing seven. They've never gone 11 without defeat against the Blues in their league history. You've been giving me stats this season. <laughs> that we find a way to reverse. And normally there's stats where Chelsea have never lost. So how fitting would it be for once this season that something good would happen to us? But I wouldn't hold my breath, my friend. I will not hold my I, breath. I, I wouldn't either. Uh, <laughs> but let's let's look at the starting 11 prediction. Kepa back in goal continues, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I think he does. I think Mendy was just a quick experiment. And I think I started the rumor bill that maybe Maurizio Pochettino wanted to see what he was all about. And I think that's been answered. All right, back Three, back four. Very, very tough to predict, but I'm going to go with what my gut says, which is a back four. Back four, which is uh, Aspie, Chaloba, right back? Yeah, I think I'd put Chaloba on right back. He's been really good at right back in recent times, which leaves a back middle of Silva and Fofana. If Kulabali is fit and we feel like Silva is going down a little bit, which I don't think is the case, but Silva and Fofana and then left back of Lewis Hall. And then midfield, three, two. So I think Lampard's going to go with a three. So I think he's going to go with um, Enzo, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and then maybe Conor Conor Gallagher would squeeze in there. Okay, and then the front three, Kai Havertz, Mudrik, Raheem. He seems to be rotating between Kai Havertz and Jao Felix for the center forward position. So I'm going to assume that Jao Felix comes back into the fold for this one. Uh, right side, I'd love to see Madueke back in. I think he's very exciting when he plays. And for that left-wing position, I think as much as we'd love to see Mudrik there, I think Raheem Sterling will get the shout. All right. And that would be our starting 11. So now we do our score predictions. And let me just remind you, the last time Lampard was up at Old Trafford, we got a draw. But before that, we were thumped 4-0. I think that was his first game ever as Chelsea manager, and we were all scratching our heads wondering what was going to happen. But I don't think it's going to be a 4-0, Rahul. I think Lampard has found a way to keep us a little bit balanced. That's not really good praise to him overall because we've not had a great great season underneath him. But I'm going to go for a 2-1 win to Manchester United. All right. I'm going to go for a 3-0 to Manchester United. They need the win. They're motivated. They want to kind of build, build up some momentum going into the FA Cup final. And seeing their noisy neighbors win the league, I'm sure they want to give their fans something to to be happy about. So it's going to come at our trouble. Ex- <laughs> well, that that's down the road, but it's going to come at our expense, and a lot has come at our expense this season. Uh, but we'll just have to take it on the chin. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, we can do something and and you know at least get a goal. But that's just how I feel about this game, and and I hate predicting us losing, but. It is what it is this season. Uh, Jackie, I just want to talk about Mason Mount. We're hearing that 
it's really going to take Pochettino to pull through and, and get this new contract done. It's going to be a shame if we lose Mason Mount. Yeah, it's been the theme of the entire season. I think we've been talking about the Mason Mount contract situation. And I know it started early on with Todd Bowley when he first came in and Thomas Tuchel left and contract you know, negotiations went on hold and had to be re-picked up and Mason Mount's form's been poor and he's been an injury and so many different things that have happened that have derailed this. But you look at the likes of teams that are looking for midfielders and you look at Arsenal, he, they may be looking for somebody where he would be a good fit for them. He might follow Jorginho and other Chelsea players there. You look at Liverpool, and I think in a front three at Liverpool, he would be absolutely fantastic in the press, and he would chip in with goals and assists. And I've even heard links to Manchester United, which is ridiculous. Or if someone like you know a Newcastle come along and want to pay the wages, I think he would fit in there fantastic. What I'm trying to say is he's a top four club kind of football player, and I know people have their gripes about Mason Mount and he's not good at this and not good at that, but I don't care. I think he's somebody we need to build this team around and he's been used as a utility player and a right, a left, a false nine, deep line playmaker. Find a good spot for Mason Mount, get him into the team and I think he's going to do wonders for Chelsea. You mentioned Liverpool, you mentioned Arsenal, you mentioned Newcastle, teams that are way above us yeah. and want to take Mason Mount. That should tell you everything you need to know about what teams think of him and what he does bring to to the table yes he hasn't had a good season uh, but he was Chelsea player of the season two years in a row right he was part of the Champions League winning squad he gets the assist in the final uh, he scores in the quarterfinal he's he's scoring I think, believe he scored in the semifinal too yeah. against Real Madrid um, so he is Chelsea I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me that we're we've left it this late because we've looked at, you know, we've made bantered Arsenal, we've bantered other clubs for saying they didn't get their business done early in terms of renewals, and here they are losing an Alexis Sanchez or an Ozil or whatever it was, uh, and now we're we're in that position, and and it's not all on the new regime because uh, the old regime could have kind of put him down on a new contract too, especially after the Champions League win. So, um, just bad management, I guess, in this case, and. Yeah. I really hope we can turn this around. I really hope Pochettino makes this maybe a priority for him because that would endear him with the fans, certain groups of fans, maybe not all of them. Yeah. Uh, but it's just it's just sad to to see that this might be you know this is how it, this ends. So I really hope not, but we'll can continue to keep an eye on it. And as we do, Jackie, before we wrap it up, we've got to talk about the team that is winning trophies, can win the league. And that's the women's uh, team played their final home game of the season against Arsenal, which was no easy, easy game. Uh, I covered that with Ray in, in the build up to it. And we both felt we would get the win. It just wouldn't be easy. Ultimately, we did get it. We, we won 2-0. Uh, and we now sit top of the table with one game to go. And I was hoping Man City would do us a favor uh, later on in, in the day on Sunday. But that wasn't to be. So we hold our destiny in our own, own hands. We play Reading away on the final day. We win that. We win the league for the fourth time. Forget three peats. We're gonna do a four peat. <laughs> I don't know how many peats are gonna happen this season <laughs> with all of these trophies, but ultimately, I think it's a good position to be in. You want to have your own destiny where you can control it and you can decide how this goes. And I think if it was relying on another team, there's a lot more fear and anxiety, and ultimately, you sometimes stumble on your own fear and anxiety. But the, the little I know about this team is that they don't really choke. They're a team that figure out how to get the business done when it counts. And I think last day, last game, what a way to end it and take the title. So I wonder if they're going to have two trophies at either stadium and kind of do it like they used to do back in the day on deadline day or the last game where you have them both wrapped and whoever wins gets the trophy. But look, if that's the case, just bring one trophy and give it to the to our women because that's what's going to happen. That's, that's I like that. Just, just bring it to Reading because it's not going anywhere else. And it's not going to Reading either. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I really think with the news of, of Magda uh, Eriksson and Pernilla Arter leaving, uh, that's galvanized the squad in a way that they want to send them off with the league. And, and I'm okay with that. Not okay with them leaving, but don't really have a choice at this point. Look, that's a beautiful way to get a send-off, which is getting a couple of trophies, and that's how you can be cementing your legacy at Chelsea Football Club. Absolutely. So 
Uh, a big weekend again, both for both teams, or with Chelsea starting on Thursday with the men's team, and then we go into the Newcastle game. Uh, I'm not sure Jackie will have time to build up to the Newcastle game, but we'll definitely try, and if not, we'll put out some predictions and thoughts around that. Uh, but that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. And we will be back with a new episode. But until then, stay safe and up the Chels. Hey, guys. The Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home, so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.